from the studios of One Jacks Productions. This is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. How are we doing? Feels like I haven't seen all of you since last year. I pulled that from Chris last night. So he, he, he got lame last night, so I figured I'd be lame this morning. Aaron's laughing. That's all that matters. Nick, how was last year? Good? <laughs> Bro, you should be preaching. Look at you. Huh? You're looking good, brother. How you doing, man? Good to see you, bro. Good to see you. Yes, sir. All right. I only like Ronald. That's why I only did that for him. The rest of you guys, I don't know about. Nah, just joking. All right. Well, 2021. Huh? We made it. <laughs> I think of that song by, uh, what's that country singer there? Oh, looks like we made it. I know it's been a long road. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Shania Twain? I got, I got you before you got there. Uh, okay, a couple things here. Uh, listen, I'm going to start out with a Debbie Downer, and then I'm going to be positive the rest, of the, the rest of the day, if I can be. Here, here, here's the Debbie Downer, okay? <clears throat> As we enter into 2021 at One Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, uh, and, and, and listen, just hear my heart on this. Don't get upset. Just feel me, feel what I'm saying, okay? And just know that my, your best interest is uh, where I'm coming from. Listen, this is gonna be a very important year for this church. And I mean that because for a lot of reasons. Number one, okay, and, and we just gotta be real now, okay? Our commitment cards for this year are not where they were from last year. So we're a little down, okay? Uh, so with that being said, uh, and it is what it is, I get it. Last year was a tough year, okay? Um, but with that being said, uh, obviously, uh, you know, growth in this church this year is going to be very important. We're going to need to, quote unquote, uh, have to uh, try to find a way to make that up, uh, 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 you know, in, in numbers, obviously, okay? With that being said, can, 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 and again, here's, here's what I'm trying to get at, okay? Listen, we're about to enter into this uh, Ephesians study. Okay, and, and I'm telling you, man, this is going to be a major blessing to you if you want it to be. It will only be what you want it to be, okay? Um, we have spent a lot of time uh, and effort into uh, putting together these notebooks for you. Um, I personally have spent a lot of time on it, uh, and I know... Uh, you know, uh, Ray's obviously uh, taking the time uh, to print it. Uh, listen, he's, he's giving that to us as a free gift. He's not charging the church for it. Uh, those are pretty, uh, uh, you know, extensive uh, amounts of money that he's putting towards it. So I want you to understand how important those notebooks are. Uh, just don't take them as, oh, well, it's a notebook, who cares? Listen, a lot of time and effort has been put into it uh, from other people in your, in your church. Uh, including your pastor. Uh, the guys in the back are going to be working effort, effortlessly to get it uh, up on the, uh, the screen for you. Uh, so there's a lot of work that's going into that. With all that being said, uh, can I challenge our church? I'm talking specifically to our members this year. Be at church on Sunday. Make that a high priority. When people come in to visit, i.e. two folks here this morning, no, no, I'm just being real, 
When you come in to visit somewhere and there's 20 people opposed to 50 or 60, it just has a different feel. We're missing a lot of people this morning, okay? Uh, we're going into the new year. I understand why. But if we're going to make other things a priority and we're not going to make this church a priority, then, you know, okay. But, you know, we're going to be in trouble by the end of next year if we don't, uh, 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 you know, find a way to, uh, to, 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 to grow. Uh, and I can tell you right now, one of the biggest ways you're going to grow and one of the things that God is going to look down on us is say, why should I grow you if your own people can't even commit to what you're doing? Okay, so please, not mad at anybody, not upset at anybody, certainly not going to call anybody out, nothing like that. What I am saying is, though, is, hey, let's make being at church a priority. If you miss, I get it. It happens. But let's not make it a consistent thing. Uh, you should be able to look back on 2021 and say, you know what, I only miss church Hey, if you can say zero times, amen, praise the Lord. One, two times, whatever. You know, but if you look back and you go, well, I missed church 10 times, that's a lot. There's only 52 Sundays, okay? Um, I really think that uh, if not for anything, as we're going into this Ephesians series, which is all about the church, uh, we really need to be and come together as a church, as an assembly, not forsaking the assembly as Hebrews 10 tells us. So I'm just challenging our church, man. I'm challenging our members. One of my biggest fears for putting online uh, 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 services where people can listen online was that people would use that as a crutch. That's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do that. Okay, but I see where the benefit has come from people outside of our church that's been able to listen. But don't use it as a crutch. Oh, I can just stay home and listen to it at home. No. Don't, please don't use it as a crutch. Be at church if you can be. Make it a priority. Uh, you know, uh, obviously I understand some stuff comes up, and I promise you if you don't come to church, I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, that, 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 I told them to come and they didn't come. I'm not going to do that. I'm trying to be your pastor, okay? I'm trying to say, hey, uh, you know, we need to come together as a body and we need to be here. And a lot of time and effort and, 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 and work has been put into the things that we have prepared for, okay? So uh, if not for anything, respect that. Uh, but more importantly, respect God. Uh, this, this, it's not my calling. I'm not the one that wrote Hebrews 10.25. Uh, God did, okay? <laughs> so I'm, I'm just encouraging you. I'm trying to reach out to you and say, hey, for the benefit of the growth of this church, we need to show God that we're serious. And so by, by doing that, one of the things I think, virtue is a very important thing. One of the beginning parts of virtue is be at church. Don't forsake the assembly. Okay? Um, so uh, uh, that was my downer. Hope it wasn't too much of a downer. It was more, I'm, I'm more trying to encourage people. Okay? Um, you know, I'm looking around right now and we're missing a lot of people today. A lot. Uh, probably half our church is not in church this morning. And it's the first year, first church service of the new year. Uh, you know, that, 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 that shouldn't be, okay? So hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get all that out of us. Everybody got their, their stuff in, whatever they had to do. And, and, and now we can, we can really, uh, next week, we can really start to, to kick it in gear because I do think this could be a good year for us. I do think a lot can happen for us this year. I do think we could 
definitely see some growth. I've already got some things in the background that, are, that I'm uh, trying to put to, 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 to the work. Uh, Jim and, and, and the group, uh, yesterday was a great day. I hear they had quite a few people there, so that's awesome. Keep that up. But listen, we need to be about reach. Why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his feet going? Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to sing that song until you have that song so embedded in your brains that hopefully you're sitting there, when you're sitting there laying there on Sunday morning going, oh, do I want to go to church? Yeah, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his feet going? Why, why? Jesus paid much too high of a price for us to pick and choose what we, if we should come or not. No, no, no. He paid too much too... There is no picking and choosing. The choice is church. That's the choice. If you pick anything else, you're putting whatever that else is above the Lord. Do know that, okay? Whether you want to admit that or not, it's true. And just don't be upset at me for saying that. Um, as the pastor, I need to remind you uh, of the importance of this entity uh, that uh, we call the church. And in 2021, based on what's happened last year, it is going to be an important time for this church. Do know that come June, our rent is going up. Okay, so not only were our commitments not as much as last year, okay, but our rent's going up. So, uh, hey, uh, if we are the body, <laughs> then we need to start acting like the body. And the body needs to work what? Together. Okay, that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. That's what Paul was, was uh, 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 reprimanding the Corinthian church about. We need to do this together. It can't just be a few people that are trying to get it done. It has to be all of us working together to get it done. And I can tell you this, uh, you know as well as I do, we are going to work way better. We are going to function way better. We're going to have a much better opportunity to accomplish everything we need to do if we have everybody at least coming to church. At least that. I mean, come on, that's, that's simple. That's easy. Um, you know, we, we don't even meet at 8 o'clock in the morning. We used to. <laughs> we don't do that anymore, man. We're 1030. Uh, you know, so uh, you can sleep in and do whatever you got to do. Uh, but uh, please make, make coming every week a priority. And on top of that, um, you know, uh, by being here, you're going to be able to fill in your workbook. And certainly, yeah, you could do it online later. I got that. Uh, but there's just something about uh, being amongst your brethren, that is uh, going to be far more pleasing to the Lord. Uh, you know, we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 2 that we, we are seated already in heavenly places. Uh, so as we come together as a body, we are seated with Him in heavenly places at that moment. Don't forsake that. It's, it, it means a lot, uh, and it, it glorifies and, and, and pleases the Lord. Uh, so uh, certainly I think we should be about that without any doubt. Okay, with the workbooks. Uh, so, two things with that. Number one, uh, we're going to hand out a workbook for every uh, chapter that we do. Okay, we're not going to hand out one workbook for all the chapters, or your book would be like probably that big, something like that. Okay, um, right, right. <laughs> and I don't want to kill Ray like that. He'll have to make a. It'll be a book. Okay, we don't want to do that to Ray. So, so we're going to hand them out chapter by chapter. Obviously, so next week we'll hand out chapter number one. Okay, how we're going to work through the workbook is going to be uh, very uh, systematically. Uh, 
I'm not going to come into the service with any set agenda of where we need to get to. We're just going to go through it. And when we get through it, we get through it. And then we'll move on to chapter two. And that's just the way I'm just going to approach it like that. Um, That way we can exhaust it as good as, 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 and as necessary as we need. Okay. Uh, If you are a member of this church, if you are somebody who comes to this church, uh, you get the workbook for free. Okay. Uh, We're not going to charge anybody for, um, uh, uh, for people that are members of this church. Uh, now, uh, if you're not a member of this church uh, and you do want the workbook because you want to get involved with it, uh, then you can do that by one of two ways. Number one uh, is you could uh, email uh, myself, uh, my, my uh, uh, emails on the church website, onebaptistjacks.world, uh, or you could um, give us a call, leave a message, whatever, uh, but just get in contact with us and uh, we can make arrangements for you to get the workbook. However, uh, obviously because of cost and time and things to that matter, uh, there will be a $10 charge for the workbook, okay? If you lose the workbook, uh, obviously at that point, there's a $10 charge to get another one, okay? Uh, this stuff does take, you know, Ray's been very gracious by what he has done, but you know, it can only go so far, okay? Uh, so treat the workbook, you know, uh, definitely not like your Bible, but maybe right below that, okay? Because <laughs> I, I, I do think it's going to be a major help, and I think you're going to agree once you get it, and you start going, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Um, a lot of time and effort has been put into that uh, to really help us uh, in, in understanding this uh, church thing. So if you're online and you want to get one, uh, that's number one. You could email me, call, whatever. Um, I think on Facebook Live, you could just put it on there. And, and we'll know that you need one, and we'll get in contact with you and, and set up uh, a, a way for you to do that. Uh, now, there is another way you could get it, if you're online and you're listening. What do you think I want to say? Why don't you come next Sunday? Why don't you come next Sunday, and guess what? You don't have to pay for it. You get it for free. Uh, just say, hey, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to hear this series, and we're committing to coming. And, uh, and I, I will personally pay Ray for it for you, and you can have it. Um, but I will tell you this, and, and please hear me. I think this is probably going to be one of the most important studies we've ever done. And, and, and I say that because this thing of the church, we've got a lot of false ideas of it. We've got a lot of false understandings of it. And I really think that as we start to dig through this, uh, some things are going to start to make a whole lot more sense to you. And it's going to help not only you, uh, not only me, uh, but One Baptist Church as a whole. I really, really, truly believe that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I'm encouraging all of our One Links uh, to, to, to uh, get into Ephesians, uh, have, have discussions about what we talked about uh, the previous Sunday. I want to keep the, the momentum moving forward. Uh, my discipleship with, with uh, uh, some of the guys here, that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep digging into it. Because obviously on a Sunday morning, there's no way I could exhaust everything we could talk about in the book of Ephesians. Because listen, it's like this, right? If you, got, if, you, if, you, if you go to build a house, you got to lay the concrete first, the foundation, right? Ephesians is your foundation, all of the other New Testament books that Paul writes builds 
on Ephesians. So we're not just going to be talking about Ephesians. Ultimately, we're going to be looking at and moving and, 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 and grooving with all of the New Testament books that, that Paul wrote. Uh, and then certainly, uh, you know, there are some things in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude and James and, and even the beginning parts of Revelation. Uh, by the way, Jesus wrote a, church, uh, a letter to the Ephesians. So, uh, uh, so, so, so there's a lot of other places we'll go to. And before we're done, what you're going to find out, what we probably did is exhausted a lot of the New Testament. We probably will. And, and again, um, it'll be an opportunity for you to connect the dots. And why I want our one links to kind of be focused on that is because, hey, there might be something I might say up here that you'd be like, I don't know that I got that. And obviously, I can't stop on a Sunday morning to explain it to you. Uh, but, 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 but you could uh, go to uh, Robert and Claude's one link, and, and I have a one link going on, and, and Jim's got a one link. You, you certainly could go to them. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm in contact with Jim quite often every Tuesday, and I'm in contact with uh, Robert, who's our associate pastor. So, you know, if, they, if you guys are throwing them questions that, that maybe they can't answer for whatever reason, they have direct contact to me. Um, you, could, you could ask me directly, obviously. Uh, that's always an option for you as well. Uh, but, you know, sometimes when you have a question, if you have it, probably somebody else does, it would be beneficial to your whole group to hear uh, because they, uh, maybe they didn't even think of that question. <laughs> uh, but yet it's a good question, you understand? So I want to highly encourage everybody in this church, be at church on Sundays, be a part of a one link. If you really want to start to grab, be here on Thursday because Robert is preaching through church history, man. It's, that is very connected to what we're doing. Uh, so you have a lot of avenues. Let's, if you walk out of 2021 not growing as much as you walked into 2021, that, that's your fault. Because there's no reason why that should happen based on what's coming up here this next year. We are definitely going to be laying down uh, uh, the wood, if I can say it that way, okay? We are going to be laying it down, man. And there's going to be opportunities for everybody in this church to grow in their relationship with Jesus. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But it's up to you. It's up to you to decide if you want that or not. And if you do, uh, can I just say, uh, a good place to start uh, would be here. Uh, okay? That sound good? Is everybody good with that? Okay. Good. All right. So what I want to do today uh, is, is uh, kind of give us an overview uh, of where this book of Ephesians fits in to the timeline. Uh, so uh, everybody should have their notes. If you don't, just raise your hand and, and we'll make sure you get them. But, but what, and if, you're, if you're not here today, obviously you don't have the notes. See, there you go. And, and these notes are pretty good right here, okay? They'd be very helpful to you if you had one in your hand right now. Uh, so, but what I will say to you is, if you look at the notes right here, what you're going to see is, and how I laid this out, is uh, providing you a timeline of how the New Testament is broken up. So, so obviously, uh, I hope you know this. Uh, if you don't, then you're going to know it in about two seconds. I'm about to tell you. The New Testament is not written in order. In other words, Matthew didn't, then Mark, then Luke. No, the New Testament uh, has all of its books, but they're put into uh, 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 categories. Okay? So obviously, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's not that that is in order, okay? It's that those are the four Gospels, okay? And then you have the book of Acts, which, which is a transitional book to take you from the Gospels to 
the book of Romans, okay? So what you got is obviously from a, from a, from a time period, uh, uh, 2 B.C., you have the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, he was uh, born in Bethlehem. Okay, uh, what you find then is over the course of the next uh, uh, 20, uh, 28 years or so, uh, 30 years, somewhere in that area, uh, going up to about 28 AD, when Christ was 30, uh, he starts his ministry in Galilee. Okay, and when he starts his ministry, uh, he is going to uh, do that for three and a half years. That is the overview of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels talk about the birth all through Christ's ministry to his death on the cross, which took place in 32 AD. Okay, uh, so that kind of covers your, 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 your gospel time period, if you will. Then from 32 to roughly 38 AD, uh, as the, 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 this, this, this new entity is, is getting a facelift, if you will, uh, tra a transition is getting ready to take place, God is offering the Jews one more chance at accepting Jesus as Messiah. Uh, and Acts chapters 1 through Acts chapter 7 covers that time period. From about 32 A.D. to about 38 A.D., roughly six or seven years, however you want to pan that out. Um, the church starts in Jerusalem. The church is made up of Jews, and Jews alone, by the way, okay? Anybody that gets into the church at that point is a proselyte to the Jewish, uh, Jewish faith, although... Something's changing about the Jewish faith because now accepting the Jewish faith requires you to accept Jesus as Messiah, okay? But by and large, the nation of Israel has rejected Jesus as Messiah. That's why he got nailed to that cross, okay? They did not accept him for who he was claiming to be. They called for his death. The Romans put him on the cross. The Jews called for his death, but me and you put him there too, okay? Because our sin, this was... The lamb was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Okay, so this was all, God in his foreknowledge knew what was going to happen, and he knew how he was going to take care of sin. And sin had to be taken care of by the shedding of blood. Okay, and there's a lot of reasons why that is. Uh, if you've been around this church uh, any amount of time, you know where I'm going with that. Okay, so... Uh, somewhere around 39 AD, after uh, they reject uh, the, the so, so they rejected the Father when they killed John the Baptist. Y'all remember that, right? That's who that's who uh, the, the you know the voice crying in the wilderness, Isaiah 40. God the Father sent John the Baptist to do what? To prepare the way for the Lord. Why? Because who was coming? The Lord Jesus Christ. And what did the Jews do to John the Baptist? Well, they, they, they had him beheaded, so he's done. Okay, then, that, well, if they don't accept him, they'll accept my son, right? Remember the, par the, the parable, <laughs> right? And what did, did the Jews accept the son? Nope, they, 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 they nailed him to a cross. And remember what Jesus said, you reject me or you reject the father, you could be forgiven. But if you reject the Holy Ghost, <laughs> okay, your sins will not be forgiven. And so the final person they needed to reject was the Holy Ghost. And in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen stood up and he was filled with the Holy Ghost, 
they rejected him. And then they took him out back and they stoned him. So the threefold rejection now takes place. God is now putting Israel, very important you understand this, God is putting Israel on a shelf. He's not done with them. He's putting them on a shelf. And now what he's doing in Acts chapter 8, he's beginning the, 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 uh, the, the steps of the transition. Acts is a transitional book. It's not a doctrinal book, okay? There's a transition that begins to take place. From Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 7, Peter, the apostle to the Jews, uh, uh, Paul calls it like this over there in uh, Galatians. He says he's the apostle to the circumcision, okay? And the circumcision, of course, we're talking about the Jews back in Genesis 17 and, and how they got the covenant of circumcision through Abraham. So what happens is, okay, the transition starts to take place, and now Paul's going to come on the scene. This guy Saul, okay? He was a Pharisee, by the way, okay? But, 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 but God knew the zeal this, this guy had, and he knew he needed that zeal for what he needed to accomplish and what was about to happen. Because there was a major transition getting ready to take place. When you get to Acts chapter 8, you see Philip. Uh, you, you, you know, they, 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 from, from chapter 1 to chapter 7, everything they were doing revolved around Judea. The church was, was, was working within Judea, and it was Jewish in mind. By the time you get to after, Acts chapter 8, Philip's heads over to where? Samaria. And things start to change. Because now it's going from... Because do you remember, the Samaritans are still Jew and Gentile. Okay? See how God's doing this? It's very systematic. It's very interesting. Then when you get to Acts chapter 9, uh, and going to 10 and 11, well, by the time you get to 11, Paul is in Antioch, which is Gentile. Now we're in Gentile territory. And the base of operations moves from Jew to Gentile in Acts chapter 11. So that's kind of what's going on between uh, uh, 39 and, and uh, 40, uh, you know, 43 AD, somewhere in that area, 44 AD, uh, as the church moves its operations to Antioch. But in between that, uh, do be reminded, uh, Acts chapter 9 is when Paul is converted to Christ. He, he's on his way to Damascus because he's going to done bring the hammer down at those Christians. They aren't even Christians yet. Do note that. Those, those Messianic Jews, if I can say it that way, uh, he's going to Damascus to bring down the hammer. He's going to arrest them. And on his way there, Christ shows himself in a vision and, 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 and he says, Paul, <laughs> why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And, and uh, uh, certainly uh, Saul, uh, at that point, uh, we know his conversion takes place. Okay, well, after his conversion took place, did he go to the other apostles and hang out with them to learn what he had been missing? No, that's what Galatians chapter 1 is all about. No, actually what he did was he went into Arabia, he went up into a mountain with the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he was taught by Christ. And what he was taught by Christ is what we're going to learn about in Ephesians chapter 3. Okay? That, that what he learned is very, very important. It changes everything. 
It's what gives us as Gentiles the ability to get in on this thing. Okay? Nobody knew it prior to Paul receiving that mystery. Nobody knew it. So the reason why I'm saying that is because if you read Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 8, the gospel of Jesus Christ as we know it is not being preached. It couldn't be. It wasn't revealed yet. That's why understanding Ephesians chapter 3 is so vitally important. Unfortunately, many in the church do not understand that today. That's why we teach a lot of false doctrines in our churches today. We're teaching a Jewish message and trying to make it a Gentile message. And we are now at that point stealing something that was given to a Jew. We become what the Bible calls uh, uh, claiming to be Jews when we're not. And God calls that, uh, what? The synagogue of Satan. That's a big deal. This isn't a small deal. This is a big deal. Making sure we get this right, making sure we allow the Bible to teach us properly is vitally important. Because if not, we're going to start heading into grounds that could be uh, and will be uh, very, very, uh, uh, very much a big deal. So when you get to about 42 AD, somewhere around the time of Peter, uh, what happens is, or Acts 10, excuse me, what happens is, okay, God's getting ready to move this transition into place. So what he needs to do now is let Peter, his apostle to the Jew, know what's going on here. So Peter's over there, uh, he, he, he's up there doing his thing, and God sends uh, 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 Peter a vision. And that vision is of uh, uh, an animal coming down, and God tells Peter, slay it. And, and Peter says, not so, Lord, because that's unclean to do that, okay? And he knows that. And the whole point of all that, the whole, the, the whole message that God's sending to Peter is that what I call clean is clean. What I don't call unclean is unclean. I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning something. The Gentiles are now going to be grafted in with the Jews. That's what the point he's trying to make to Peter in Acts chapter 10. By the time you get to Acts chapter 11, do you know how many more times you hear about Peter? Not a whole lot more the whole transition starts moving over to uh, our boy Paul. Uh, and Paul, of course, is the apostle to the, the Gentiles. Something major is going on. When you get to Acts chapter 13, uh, what happens there uh, as Paul is getting ready uh, to start his first missionary journey, and do note, you're somewhere around 10 years after the conversion of Paul. So when you're looking at Acts chapter 9 and you're looking at Acts chapter 13, about a 10-year period goes by. Like you read it and you go, oh, it's next, next day. No, no, a lot of time's going on. We are under Jewish influence for a lot of time of the beginning of the church. Most people don't understand that or recognize that. But by the time you get to Acts chapter 13, there starts to be some words like forgiveness of sin where, 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 where before it was what? Remission of sin, which is not a getting, giving, getting away of sin. Forgiveness of sin is a whole different deal than remission of sin. John's baptism was about remission of sin. Why? Because the, John was trying to prepare the Jews for the coming of their Messiah. Okay, but Paul's baptism, if you will, uh, is a whole different deal. It's forgiveness of sin. When the Holy Ghost baptizes you and something completely different takes place than what was taking place uh, in the Old Testament and, and truthfully 
to some degree, from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 7-ish, if you will. But, okay, so what happens is, uh, Paul heads out onto his first missionary journey. And on his first missionary journey, uh, he's heading into all kinds of different places, and what he's doing is, remember, he spent some time with Jesus, he got revealed a mystery. And that mystery now, he's going to these different places, and he's revealing it to them. He's telling them, what this new transitional peace that is now taking place. And you say, what is it? What is it? I want to well, we're going to talk about it. Don't worry. We're getting there, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about it when we get to Ephesians 3 and go, yeah, well, Ephesians 3, probably not till June. You're probably right. It might even be farther than that. I don't know. But we're going to get to it. And trust me, you're going to have a full understanding of what that mystery is before we ever get to Ephesians 3 because he talks about it in chapter 1, okay? So, so get it. Uh, Paul is revealing this mystery. He's going out, and yes, yes, he's planting churches. But I want you to know and understand, that is not what his ministry was. His ministry was to reveal the mystery. That's what it was. Now, the result of revealing that ministry was a planting of churches. Yes, but that was not, we think of his missionary journey as, oh, he was just going around planting churches. Well, hold on a minute, time out. That's not true. Yes, he was doing that, but there was much, much more to it than that, okay? And so he's going around in that first missionary journey, and he's planting these churches. He's revealing the mystery to the different places he's going. He spends about three years from 48 AD to about 51 AD doing that. Then Acts 15 comes up. And in Acts 15, what you have is you have a, 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 a major problem that's taking place in Jerusalem. Back at that church, they're thinking that people need to be circumcised to be saved. And, and, and obviously, Paul's going, well, you see, you don't understand. <laughs> I spent some time with Christ, and he, he told me all about that. And, and no, that's not true. That's under the law. We're not under the law anymore. Okay, and so now he, he, he comes back, and, and in Acts chapter 15, that's what the whole chapter is all about, about how people are, uh, you got Jews on one side saying you need to be circumcised to be saved, and then you got uh, some of these other in-the-know people, uh, specifically Paul and Barnabas, who are saying, whoa, time out, no, that's not true, you don't need to be circumcised to be saved. Matter of fact, he brings Titus, who's a Gentile, who wasn't circumcised, <laughs> to prove the point. Okay, uh, so, so, okay, that's Acts 15. Uh, then you get to Acts 16, uh, roughly through 18, around 52 uh, AD to 55 AD. Paul heads out onto his uh, second missionary journey. Up to this point, it's vital that you understand something, okay? There has only been a few New Testament books written. So from 32 AD to about 55 AD, the only New Testament books that have been written up to this point are James and Matthew. There's something about those books. <laughs> they are Jewish books. They were written to the Jew. Well, why would that be? Well, because throughout all this time, the church was in Jerusalem. That's why. Okay, There was a very Jewish emphasis on those books. No, no questions about it. I know people want to argue it, but all you're doing is arguing what the Scripture says. 
Okay, there's no doubt that the Gospel of Matthew is pointing to the fact that Jesus is the King, the Messiah of Israel. There's no doubt that's what that, that Gospel is going Matter of fact, there's a term that's used only in Matthew called the Kingdom of Heaven, which has everything to do with him being the King over a physical kingdom here on earth. Did he do that at his first coming? Did he sit on the throne of Israel? Nope. They put a crown of thorns in place of the crown he should have had on his head, and they crucified him. But I promise you one day, <laughs> he's going to. He's going to sit on that throne. Okay, that's what the Davidic covenant is going to ultimately resolve. He is going to sit on that throne just like God said he would. And that's going to happen in a period of time we call the day of the Lord, when the Lord gets his. You understand? Okay, the book of James, it's obvious who it's written to. It says right in the very first verse, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I mean, if you don't think that's written to the Jew, then I don't know, I can't help you. Because it flat out says it. Okay? There's no doubt about it. That's who it's written to. Now, certainly all scripture is profitable for us. Certainly there are some principles in there that the church can pull from, but be very careful going to James and trying to get your doctrine. The mystery hadn't been revealed yet. (laughs) James is writing under the influence of the Holy Ghost under a different dispensation. Do you understand? Same thing goes with Matthew. By the way, ultimately, same thing goes with Mark, Luke, and John. Most of what took place in those gospel books was under a different dispensation. So be very careful with how you interact those books with the church. Not saying you don't. They're there for a reason. What I'm saying is, but you better be very keen on how to rightly divide them. Because if you're not, you're going to start bringing doctrine into the church that was never meant for the church and you're going to put yourself in a very dangerous spot. Okay, uh, hopefully this is making sense to you. So you get to around 52 to 55 AD. Paul's out on his second missionary journey. He's established uh, some churches now, if you will, in, those, in that first missionary journey. He, the word's starting to get out. The transition's starting to go into full uh, 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 full, full force ahead, okay? And what happens is, uh, then you start to see some New Testament books that are directly correlated to the Gentiles start to be written. The Gospel of Mark was written around this time. Well, what, if the Gospel of Matthew was written to the Jew to specifically claim that Jesus was Messiah, he was the king. Okay, pastor, what was the gospel of Mark all about? Well, the gospel of Mark all about, was all about claiming that Jesus was a servant. He was a servant. Although he is God Almighty, he humbled himself, Philippians chapter 2, hello. He humbled himself and became a man to serve man. As, as Jesus says in that very book, which is probably the, the, the famous verse of the book is, I came not to... What? Huh? I came out to minister. Yeah. He came to be a servant. That's what he came to do. And by the way, the Gospel of Matthew is the only Gospel that doesn't have a genealogy of Christ. Why? Because back in that day, servants, nobody cared about the genealogy of a servant. You understand? 
Okay, so okay, now Matthew, or Mark gets written somewhere around 55 AD. In this time period, while Paul's over there in Macedonia, uh, by, by the way, that's modern day uh, Greece area, okay, so that, that helps you out. Uh, he writes 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Now, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are obviously very important books because what was going on by that time, see, they weren't quite getting all this stuff yet. Things were, were kind of like, whoa, we're in a transition. Whoa, we know that the Lord Jesus is going to come and sit back on that throne. Uh, and what was being taught by the Jews was that he had already come and that they had missed his coming. And so Paul has to correct the Thessalonians and say, whoa, time out. No, he has not come yet, okay? We are living in a parenthetical, okay? There's a specific period of time that's going to take place here. But don't worry, one day a trumpet's going to sound, and he is going to come. First Thessalonians chapter 4, y'all with me here? So Paul's setting him right. That's really what First and Second Thessalonians is ultimately about. Every single chapter in the Bible, Paul mentions something about the rapture or the second coming. Why? Because that's the flavor. Now, there's other things that he's talking about in there as well. But, but what he's basically saying in those two books, if I can just paraphrase it as simply as I can, is simply this. He hasn't come. He is coming. You better sanctify yourself and you better be ready for when he does. End of story. There's First and Second Thessalonians in a nutshell. He's coming. Are you ready? He hasn't come yet. Don't worry. You didn't miss it. But he is coming. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you prepared to meet the Lord? That's the idea of First and Second Thessalonians. And do note, those are the first books that Paul wrote. He's coming out the gate, and he's saying, hey, Whatever else you do, make sure, church, you know he is coming again, and he is going to hold you accountable for what your actions were in this church. There is a responsibility that comes with this. You, you are, first, hello, 1 Corinthians 4, hello, you are going to be held accountable for this, whether you like it or not, you are. If you call yourself a Christian, then you better get on board with him, because if not, Listen, I'm not, I can't look at anybody and tell you if you're saved or not. All I can do is go, well, let's see your fruit. If I'm not seeing fruit, I'm going to be concerned. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to be concerned. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be concerned. Okay, but, but if there's fruit, if, if, if you're uh, uh, involved in discipleship, if you're helping to win people to Christ, because you don't win anybody to Christ, Jesus does. Okay, if you're building them up in their faith, you do do that by the word of God. Okay, if you're sending them out to do the same thing, then I can look at you and say, yeah, man, I see the fruit in your life. Amen, praise the Lord. Don't worry about Matthew 7, you're okay. You know, Matthew 7, what are you talking about? You know, that's the, that's the part there where, where many are gonna say to Jesus in that day, Lord, Lord, and Jesus is going to look at you and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. See, it's not about you knowing him. It was never about you knowing him. I know the Lord. Good. Does he know you? Because if he doesn't know you, there's going to be a day coming when he's going to say, depart from me. We got this all backwards in the church today, man. Satan's got us all tripped up. Okay? But, but do know, there is a responsibility. There is a high calling, Paul calls it. A high calling. It's not just a calling, it's a high calling. And, and, and by the way, Paul's going to make some serious mention to this in the book of Ephesians. 
He's going to say that there's one hope of your calling. What's that? It's the high calling you were called for. What's that? Listen, if you got a hope of your calling, if there's a high calling, don't you think it would be a good idea to know what that is? Because I guarantee you some of you are sitting here right going, I don't even know what that is. And don't worry, there was a day where I didn't know what it was. But once you know, what are you going to do with it? Because it's a high calling. It's not just a calling, it's a high one. And, and, and you're going to understand why that's important. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so then he writes the book of Galatians. And what is the Galatians all about, the book of Galatians? Again, remember, the, the, there was a problem back in Acts 15 where Jews were trying to teach you need to be circumcised to be saved, amongst other things. They were trying to enforce the law onto a Christian. What Galatians really ultimately is all about, in a nutshell, uh, is, is don't force legalism on people. And better, you better make sure you understand what legalism is. Legalism, legalism is not following Christ and what he said. Legalism is adding stuff that's not there. Okay, and that's what these Jews were doing. They were adding stuff that wasn't there and forcing stuff on Gentiles. And Paul said, hey, listen, the law is good. The law has a purpose. But what the law does does not save anybody. You don't need to follow the law to be saved. What the law does is your schoolmaster to bring you to Christ because it shows you you're a sinner. That's what the law does. It doesn't save anybody. But what it does do is it brings you to Christ who does save. That's the point of Galatians. You see how this is systematically going through here? Paul, granted, Paul was writing these, but do know who's moving him to write them at the right times. It's the Holy Ghost who's moving him to write what he's writing. And it's at the right times. You understand? Then you get to 56 AD to roughly 59 AD, and Paul heads out into his third missionary journey. On this third missionary journey, oh man, he, he writes some books now, okay? He's hitting us with some books. Listen, the first book he writes is from Ephesus, and he writes the book of 1 Corinthians. Let me help you something. Do note this, okay? First and 2 Corinthians. You can bundle them together because when I get to 2 Corinthians, I'm going to say the same thing I'm saying about 1 Corinthians. So rather than do that, let me just tell you right now. Okay, listen. 1 and 2 Corinthians are not doctrinal books to follow. That's not what the... Per there is doctrine in those books. Okay, again, better make sure you understand how to rightly divide. Okay, uh, but they're not doctrinal books to follow. What's going on basically in First and Second Corinthians, although he is dropping doctrine, don't, don't misread what I'm saying, but what he's really trying to get at is he's trying to correct the church for what they're doing wrong. He's calling them out for what they're doing wrong. You know, they're messing up things. They're, they're, they're allowing sin in the church, and they're not doing anything about it. You understand? They don't really understand the whole marriage thing. They don't understand what sexual purity in the church is. Chapter 7, he's, he's talking all about having sex outside of marriage and how that is absolutely a major no-no when it comes to uh, the body of Christ. It is fornication. It is an affront against Christ. And he's saying, hey, stop. Got to stop this stuff. Chapter 8, he's talking about uh, 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 you know, uh, 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 
the different uh, offerings of, uh, of meat to idols and things like that. Uh, chapter uh, 11, he's, he's talking about, um, uh, I'm thinking ahead of myself here. The, the Lord's Supper, thank you, and doing that correctly. Okay, chapter 12, in 13 and 14, hello, listen to what I'm about to say. He's correcting them how they're messing up this whole spiritual gift thing and the gift of tongues. You got people thinking that this gift is a Gentile gift. And Paul's saying, whoa, time out. No, it's not a Gentile gift. There was a purpose for those tongues. I'd rather you be preaching the word of God than be trying to speak in tongues because that's not for you anyways. And if you start babbling about stuff, how's anybody going to know what you're talking about anyways? Hello, churches out there. We got a whole lot of people who are claiming to be apostles today. We got a whole lot of people claiming to be prophets today. We got... Paul's correcting all of that. And he's saying, no. No, you're not an apostle. No, you're not a prophet. No, you're not to be speaking in tongues. No, you don't have the gifts of healing. No, you don't have any of that. That was all given to the Jew for a very primary purpose. God's word hadn't been written yet. How many books have been written up to this point? How could anybody go back to know what they needed to know? You, you, you can't. And by the way, even though some of these books are written, how many of them do you think were in circulation by that time? You think they had the printing press? They didn't have Ray. Ray wasn't sitting back there printing everything for everybody going, here you go, man. Got it. James, I got it. Here you go, man. Y'all got it now? Catch up on that. No. No. The only way you're going to hear about this stuff, probably most likely, is Paul's done in your face and he's talking to you about it. Or some of those other apostles are in your face talking to you about it. You understand? Okay. Put yourself in it, man. Get it. First and second Corinthians, Paul is on major Major fixing problems. And can I just say, the same problems that were in that first Corinthian church and that second Corinthian church are the same problems we have in our churches today. We have the same problems I've seen in this church. Same problems. Nothing changes. Satan knows what he's doing. He knew how to attack that church and he attacks our church and every other church out there the same way today. And if you want to correct those problems, well, Let's just go with what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself. Make sure you're in the faith and that you're not a reprobate. Because if you're not in the faith and you're a reprobate, you see all those problems I just talked to you about in 1 and 2 Corinthians? You're going to bring them into the church. I won't do that. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Because if you follow after the flesh, if you follow after the flesh, there's no doubt about it. Problems follow. There's a little sin, a little leaven. What? Leaven's the whole lump. Yeah. Huh? I can say it. You can teach the dog new tricks. You can. Listen, it just does. And so First and Second Corinthians, man, they are correction book. Well, wait, man, we're just supposed to love everybody. Really? Is that what Paul was doing? Well, he's telling people that he's going to deliver them up to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? Don't sound like he's loving everybody. Sound like he's letting them have it and telling them, hey, hey, get right. You want to keep walking down this path, you're not just destroying yourself, but you're destroying the church. I know. But Jesus just loved everybody. Jesus just had a nice word to say about everybody. Really? Jesus never called anybody names. Well, then you obviously didn't read Matthew 23. Yes, he did. Yes, it, I mean, you call the Pharisees the children, the father of the devil. 
He called them hypocrites. He called them all kinds of nice names. And do you think he was doing that nicely? Oh, you hypocrites, man. Listen, man. No! I mean, he flipped tables in a temple. There is righteous anger. And Paul certainly shows forth that righteous anger in First and Second Corinthians, no doubt. He's letting them have it. And, you know, but we don't do that in the church today. Really? Really? Listen, when people, when people don't listen, when your kids don't listen, Peyton, listen, man, I know I told you 17 times not to do that. Just please don't do that anymore, okay? Or no, dads, what do you got to do? Peyton, get your butt to your room and go sit on that bed and think about it for a little while. Yeah? Peyton, time to get a spanking. Yeah? Oh, well, how come we think that's any different in church today? Can I tell you why we think that's in church today? Because we all think it's all about us. Don't offend me. Don't tell me. Really, that, that's fine. You can live there if you want. You can live the American dream and live in the American church all you want, but I promise you that ain't going to help you. Sometimes you need to get called to the plate. Sometimes you need to get taken out to the woodshed. For some people, it's more than others. But dang it, what does Jesus say? Those whom I love, I chasten and rebuke. And you want to know who he chastens and rebukes through? The people of the church. When people are seeing what you're doing and it ain't right, and you're getting called out for it. Listen, now if they're calling you out for something that they could not show you scripturally, that's legalism. But if they're calling you out for something that they can show, legal, can show scripturally, that's Christianity 101. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to get angry and leave the church? Is that what you're going to do to your wife one day? Is that what you're going to do to your husband one day? When you get angry, you're just going to walk out? See, that's what, we do in our, that's what we do in our American culture today. We get upset at something and we just run for the door. Oh, do that. That's what you're supposed to do. That's the good Christian way to do things. No. What do you do? You get around God's word. You let God's word guide you and direct you in what is correct and wrong. And if you're wrong, be willing to humble yourself and say, I'm wrong. That's what it says, man. I got to submit to that. And if you don't, listen, you're not, you're not rejecting your wife. You're not rejecting your husband. You're not rejecting your pastor. You're not rejecting your church. You think you are because you walked out. No, no. Who you are rejecting is the man upstairs. And if you don't think there's not accountability to that one day, you didn't pay attention to First and Second Corinthians. You didn't pay attention when Paul lays this out as clearly as he possibly could. All right, so now what happens is, after First uh, uh, and Second Corinthians is written, he writes Romans. Romans, obviously, is a, a paramount book because it is the book of salvation. If you want to understand what you were, what you're supposed to be, and what you're going to be, Romans is a good place to go. Uh, matter of fact, I would say you better go to Romans. You better get that down pretty good because it is the book of salvation. It tells you what you were when you got saved, justification, how you are to act now that you are saved, sanctification, and what's going to happen in the future when you are saved from this body, glorification. What a great book the book of Romans is. In the, in the process of all that, Paul lays out a few chapters right there to make sure you understand what's going on with the Jew. He's not done with them. They've been put on a shelf, but the day is coming 
And all those promises are going to get back. So, so in other words, what Paul's saying is, don't try to take their promises. They weren't given to you. You have different promises, i.e. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. You want to know what your promises are to the church? Go read Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. Don't take the promises that were given to the Jew back in the Old Testament. We're going to see that when we go through Ephesians. You're going to go, oh, my gosh, this is so obvious and so plain. How are we missing it? It's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Uh, of course, then he writes, uh, or then not Paul, but then uh, Luke writes the Gospel of Luke. And what's the Gospel of Luke all about? The Gospel of Luke is, is focused primarily to the Gentile. That's where the gospel comes to, or is focused on. By the way, when you look at the genealogy of Luke, it brings you all the way back to a guy by the name of Adam. And Luke and Jesus certainly thought Adam was a real person, but I love how today he's being taught that that was just an allegory. Really? Well, Jesus didn't think so. Luke didn't think so. They didn't think he was an allegory. They talked to him like he was a real person. Why? Because he was. What took place in that garden really happened. And the consequences of it really are happening. <laughs> you can argue it all you want, but this was, but do know, Moses wrote that 3,600 years ago and the consequences are still valid. 3,600 years later, still valid. 100%, by the way, 100% still valid. I want to know when Moses wrote it, how he would have known 3,600 years later this would still be valid. Well, he didn't, but I'll tell you who did. The guy who moved him to write it. Y'all know who I'm talking about, I hope. If you don't, meet with Chris afterwards, he'll explain it to you. All right, so, oh, so Luke is written. Uh, then around 60 AD, Paul heads to Jerusalem. Uh, this is, this is going to be a tough time for Paul now, okay? Because he's going to go to Jerusalem, and they're finally going to get their hands on him, and they're going to get him arrested. He's going to spend a couple years in, in prison uh, at, at Caesarea, Okay, uh, then he's going to uh, get an opportunity to defend himself. And in his defense, uh, he appeals to Caesar. And in that defense, they send him to Rome. That brings you to the end of Acts chapter uh, 27-ish, somewhere in that area, 26. Uh, well, what, then what happens is on his way to Rome, he gets involved in a shipwreck. Uh, I think that's Acts 27. And then in Acts 28, he ends up in Rome and he's put into a Roman prison. And there he's going to spend the next two years. So four years uh, uh, of his life is going to be spent in prison. While he's in Rome, uh, in that Roman prison, is where he writes uh, some very, very important foundational books. And you can see those books right there. Ephesians, the one we're going to be talking about. Colossians and Philippians. Uh, Colossians and Philippians, really, if you start to cross-reference and you start to compare Scripture with Scripture, you're going to see that most of what's written in Colossians and most of what's written in Philippians cross-references with Ephesians. It's talking a lot about the same stuff, just from a different perspective. Colossians is an important uh, book, although it's not the focus of our study, but do know that Colossians, he talks a lot about the Laodiceans there. Okay, And why is he talking about the Laodiceans? Because the, the problem in the church of, of Colossae was they were all about themselves. They were inward focused. Okay, Laodicea, hello. And, and he's calling them out for the man on that. And he's explaining to them, hey, if you've been risen with Christ, stop putting your affections on things of the earth and start putting your affections on the things of above. He's laying it out for them so clearly for them. 
can I just say he's laying them out clearly for us too? Why aren't we listening? The same problems that these people had back then, we got today, and I would argue our problems today have gotten worse. And the reason you say, well, how do you know they've gotten worse? Well, because First Timothy, or Second Timothy chapter 3 says, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Where? In the church. And they're going to get worse and worse and worse. And they certainly have. They certainly have. So around 64 AD, Paul gets out of that uh, uh, Roman prison and, and he heads uh, to, uh, uh, most people think he heads to Spain. Uh, it's neither here nor there. Uh, regardless, it was around this time now while Paul is going out on potentially an unwritten, uh, we get some glimpses in some of the other books that he wrote uh, that he went to uh, uh, some other areas and he was on a fourth missionary journey. But the, but the Holy Spirit obviously did not feel it necessary uh, to let us in on the full aspect of the last part of his life here. Uh, just gives us a glimpse of it. But during this time, uh, uh, First Peter and Second Peter are written, if you want to get a timeline for that. okay. And then somewhere around 67 AD, uh, Paul is once again in prison by Nero. Emperor Nero, uh, if you know anything about him, uh, he was pretty, pretty bad. And he had it out for the Christians, no doubt about it. He was, he was literally uh, uh, impaling them on, on sticks uh, and having throwing parties and lighting them on fire so that they would be the light for his parties that he was showing. Okay, so he did not treat Christians uh, in any way, shape, or form in a nice way. Uh, he, he had it out for them. So certainly when he got his hands on Paul, uh, he has it out for Paul. Paul's in prison. He knows now his time's short. He knows uh, 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 bad things are coming. And so what happens is he writes um, uh, the book of, of Titus, uh, 2 Timothy. Some think he wrote 1 Timothy before he went to prison. Some think he wrote 1 Timothy after. I don't really know. I put it somewhere around 65 AD. I hope you don't hold me to those dates. I'm trying to give you a basic timeline to help you understand where these books were written. They're close. Okay, they're close. But do know what 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy are. They were written to the pastor at Ephesus. Hmm. I wonder why he would personally write a letter to the pastor at Ephesus. I wonder what that's all about. So he wrote a letter to Ephesians. Jesus wrote a letter to Ephesus. And now he's writing letters uh, to Ephesus to the pastor at Ephesus. Why? Because as we're going to learn in Ephesians, Ephesians is the bedrock of the church. You want to understand what the church is, how you get into the church, how you function in the church, and how the pastors are supposed to function in that church. There you go. Read Ephesians. Read First and Second Timothy. Read uh, 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 Revelation chapter 1, or 2, excuse me, 1 through 7, and you got it now. You understand how this church is supposed to function. You don't have to put anything on the pastor because that's what you think. No, just let Paul tell you what the role of the pastor is. Just let Paul tell you what your role is in the church. Just let Paul tell you how you get in the church. Well, what about the will of God? Well, let Paul tell you what the will of God is. Well, what about this? What about, let Paul tell you what about this? Well, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, let Paul tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Well, what is this a picture of? Well, let Paul tell you what this is. Well, what does it mean to mean my first love? Let Jesus tell you what it means to leave your first love. You want to understand the church? There you go. Get Ephesians, get First and Second Timothy, get that first letter uh, that Jesus writes to Ephesus, and I'm telling you right now, 
you are going to be 99% farther ahead than anybody else that's going to church this morning. Because I guarantee you most of them could not do what you're getting ready to be able to do. And you go, does that, make it, does that make me better than them? No, that just means you know now, go do what you're supposed to do. They obviously still don't. They want to live in ignorance and they want to live in the dark. Let them live in ignorance. Let them live in the dark. But an accounting is coming one day. It is coming. And we're going to find out, I promise you folks, on that day, we're going to find out this all really did matter. God was really serious about this stuff. And you say, how do you know that? Because he held the Jews accountable. He held Adam and Eve accountable. And how do you know that? Just look around. What he held Adam and Eve accountable for, you and I are still suffering for today. Huh? Do you think God's serious about it? 6,000 years later, and we're still being held accountable for what they did. Do you think God's serious about this stuff? He is. He's very serious about this stuff because he wants us to know the difference between holy and unholy clean and unclean. And I'm telling you, man, more than anything here in America, we are serving the wrong Jesus. We are following the wrong church. We are serving a American Jesus, right, Becky? And we are serving an American church. We are. This church and the Jesus that most are following in this world are not the same one that's in this book. I'm just telling you, man, you can get mad at me. You can get upset at me. You can think I'm a jokester. But that's fine with me. At the end of the day, I'm just telling you what this book says. And I'm watching what's going on. And I'm going, uh-uh, that ain't right. Well, what makes me right? Nothing makes me right. He's right. There's a reason why Paul <laughs> is flat out saying, hey, if you receive another Jesus... If you receive another gospel, if you receive another spirit, what does he say? What? I mean, he was very polite about it. Let them be accursed. I wonder how many churches are preaching Jesus this morning that ain't the Jesus of this book. I wonder how many churches this morning are, are saying, oh, did you just feel the spirit moving in our church today? How? I wonder how many, it's another spirit. There's a reason why John over in 1 John 4 says, you better try the spirits, make sure they're of God. There's a reason why uh, uh, Paul is calling out false teachers, false apostles uh, in 2 Corinthians 11. He, he's making us understand, you better get your antennas up, okay? Because Satan has a way of infiltrating things. And he's very, very good at it. And we are just suckers enough to fall for it. And you go, well, I'm not going to fall for it. Well, okay, why did he fall for it? She didn't even have sin yet and she fell for it. And then Adam was just dumb enough, he wasn't even deceived. He's like, I love her, I'm going right along with her. And that's what we do, man. We're just a bunch of idiots. Please excuse me. <laughs> we just are. We're sheep, man. We are. We just follow along with what everybody else is doing. And we just go, oh, there we go. Sounds good to me. Bye, until you fall off the cliff and you're dead. What does Jesus say? He had compassion for them. Why? Because they were sheep without a shepherd. You need I need, we all need a shepherd. There's a reason why a pastor was given. Okay, I'm not saying that's for you all to decide if you think that I am truly a pastor. Because I'm telling you right now, not everybody claims to be a pastor is. Okay, but if you truly think I am, then hey, hey, could you give me the benefit of the doubt? 
and know that I'm just trying to help you? Would, would you do that? I'm trying to help. I hope, I hope I know this book enough. I hope, the, and by the way, even that wasn't anything I did. If the Lord's going to use me to be his pastor, then he's going to have to make sure I got some knowledge, yeah? I mean, what, what is the purpose of a pastor over there in Jeremiah 3.15? Okay, uh, they are going to teach you. I give you pastors according to my heart to teach you knowledge and understanding. There is knowledge and understanding that you cannot get on your own. You need a pastor. Listen, as smart as those Jews were, as into the Old Testament they were, and I guarantee you those Pharisees could run around and quote the Old Testament word for word, they still needed a pastor. They still needed Jesus to help dig them further in, to help get them to where God actually wanted them to be. Does all this make sense? Listen, you say, why you, why you mention that? Because that's what Ephesians chapter 4 is all about. He's going to talk about this gift that he's given to us, okay? And what is that gift? Pastors and teachers. And what are those pastors and teachers going to do? Three major things. And those three major things is my responsibility. Don't throw anything more on me. That's my responsibility is to do those three things. And you go, well, how do you know what those three things are, right, Justin? Well, let me tell you how you know what those three things are, okay? Because he wrote three, how many, how, how many books did he write to, to pastors? Three, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Well, he gave pastors three things that they needed to do, and, and, and he wrote three books to pastors. What do you think might happen there? Why don't we take the three things that he told the pastor to go do, correlate them with the three books he wrote to pastors, and see if he explains now what they are? Because he does. God doesn't leave anything up to our own device. He always gets, you just need to know how to rightly divide the book. You just need to know how to do that. You get to that place, boom, you're in good shape. Let's close this up because we're almost done. Paul, Paul then, of course, Nero doesn't like him, man. So he takes him out back and he beheads him. That's what Paul gets for all he did for the Lord. Well, man, that's pretty rotten. You know, Paul didn't think so. Paul said, Hey man, I get to go be with the Lord now. I get to gain all the rewards I earned for what I did for him. You see, we look at death so differently than he does, and God does. And Paul understood it. He got a place in his life where death did not fear him. Matter of fact, he welcomed it. It's fine. Go ahead, take me down, man. I'm ready. I've run the race. I've done, I've done what I was called to do. I finished my course. I did. I can confidently say that when I stand before the Lord, my judgment's going to go well. I'm ready to depart. Let's get this thing on. And I guarantee you, man, when bro was taken out back, I wasn't there. You weren't there. We don't know. I just got a gut feeling. And when Paul was taken out back, he was speaking to the Lord. And when they raised that sword, getting ready to take his head off, he was having no issues with it at all. Getting ready to see you, Lord. Here I come. And he had no. What if you were taken out back today? What if the sword was lifted over your head today? What would you be saying? What would I be saying? Could we be as confident as Paul could? Well, I'm not Paul. No, you're not. But you could be. 
You have a choice just like Paul did. Paul was a Pharisee. He had everything. From a Jewish perspective, bro was rich. He was powerful. He had everything. And he gave it all up. He thought all of it is dung. Yeah, is that what he says? You know what dung means, right? It's poopy. Listen, he gave it all up because he wanted to win Christ. He knew that the riches of this world mattered nothing. Nothing if it wasn't for him. He knew it. And he was ready. And I'm just asking us today, as we move into 2021, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not a prophet. Okay? I ain't going to tell you 2021 is our last year, man, and get ready. Here he comes. I don't know. I can say this. You better be paying attention to the signs. <laughs> I do think we're getting short. I think, I think it could be. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was the year he comes and gets his church. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But, but I don't know. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I do. But what I do know is, if he did, and regardless whether this is the year he comes and gets you, y'all do know you can go step out in the car right now, head home, and you don't even have to worry about the rapture of the church anymore. You're going to go before him right now. You aren't promised another breath. God wants to take you right now. You could have a heart attack. You could have an aneurysm. He could do all kinds of things. Okay? And if you had to stand before him right now, if the, if the sword dropped right now, however that looks, are you ready? Man, Pastor, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm ready. And you're, you're, you're like really creeping me out right now. Well, listen, I'm not trying to creep you out. I'm trying to tell you, hey, but, but I can, this is the good thing. The Lord is long-suffering, and you are still breathing. So don't worry about what you did the last step. My question is, what are you going to do in the next step? I'd rather be found doing something right for the Lord on my day than to be found not, and just wallowing in my past. Wallowing in your past is those bunch of Jews who were wandering in the wilderness and didn't know what the heck, where the heck they were going. No. Paul told us what to do and how to do it. Just do it. Do it. Get yourself ready. Because the eternal consequences, we're going to find out in Ephesians. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, you ain't going to know them in this life. God didn't promise you nothing in this life. Matter of fact, you want to know what he promised you in this life? Right. Suffering. Yep. You want to know what he promised you in this life? Yep. Huh? That's what he promised. I don't know what all these people are preaching out there, man. Claim it and, uh, you know, name it and claim it. And if you do this and if you give your money to the church, God's going to bless you in all kinds of different... I don't know what they're claiming, okay? But I'm telling you right now, they've done wrong. That is not biblical at all. God promised nothing in this life. The only thing he promised in this life is pain and suffering. And amongst all of that, you go, well, that's just terrible, man. Why would... Because amongst all of that, when you grow closer to Him, you know what the true joy of the Lord is. It's in the pain and suffering you learn to understand what the joy of the Lord is. It's in the pain and suffering that you understand what God really saved you from. We're so backwards today. We're so backwards. We got our focus on so many wrong things. We need to get right. And I'm telling you, Ephesians is going to be a huge, huge help to us. It just is. God provided us some fantastic blessings. But those blessings aren't going to be the ones from the, that are going to bless your flesh. 
So if those are the kind of blessings you're looking for, well, I'm sorry, you're in the wrong place. But if you are looking for true blessings that will truly bless you, that will truly help you, God's got a few of those. Nine of them, matter of fact. Huh? And I don't know about you, but I'd like to know what those are. Doesn't matter what you've got going on in your life, man. Doesn't matter what addictions you've got. It doesn't matter what, what uh, problems you've got. It doesn't matter what you can't do. It doesn't matter what you can do. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. God's the one that can fix them all. Every single one of them. And you say, how do you know that? I've seen it. I saw him do it with me. And I've seen it do him with countless of other people. But you've got to trust him. You've got to put your faith in him. You've got to let him do what only he can do. Well, I can do it. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're right. When you say, I can't do that. I say it all the time. That's a swear word. I can't. It's a swear word. No, it's not. No, it is. It is. Because if you're in Christ, you can. You can in him. If, if, if my man, and I mean that reverently, if my man could create the universe, if my man could create everything in the universe, if my man could do all that he did, I promise you, you can take care of your little problem. Don't, be, don't think you're the center of the universe and that your problem is so different than everybody else's and that no, nobody else has ever dealt with what I... Uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody else has. <laughs> and, and there are many people that have continued to fail with your problem because they continue to try to, try to do it on their own. Uh, but then there are also many that have uh, overcome their problem because they gave it all to him. Which one do you want to be? Huh? Good? All right. Next week, we'll dig in, man. We'll get into uh, our, uh, our study of Ephesians. I hope you're ready. Uh, I hope you're excited. Uh, please, this week, please pray with me about this, man. Pray for our church. Pray for, our, uh, for one another. Uh, pray for uh, you know, all kinds of things, our attendance, our, our uh, uh, being uh, willing vessels uh, that we, we would really get uh, and make 2021 the best year this church has ever had. Listen, we are not the perfect church. Okay, I know that. We, got, we make mistakes. Okay, I don't think I'm a perfect pastor. I am not a perfect pastor. Okay, but I do know who the perfect book is. And I do know who the perfect one is. And if we all just submit to him, we will accomplish some great things. We will. You want to say, how do I know? How do you know that? Because the Bible says that my word will not. See that? You hear that? It will not return void. You follow my will. And I promise you, God says, it will not return void. You got a problem in your life. You got an addiction. You got this. You got that. You come to me. And it will not return void. <laughs> Your problem will get solved. And it will get fixed. But can I tell you, man, you can't do it by yourself. And one of the beautiful things about the church, one of the most awesome things about the church, that's why we're all together. So we can help one another. We can hold one another accountable. We can lift you up when you need to be lifted up. And is it okay? We can call you out when you need to be called out. Is that Okay. That's not, that's not disunity. We're going to find out in Ephesians that, in fact, is unity. Unifying around not what my opinion is. No matter what my opinion is. No matter what Jim's opinion is. No matter what, what, what anybody's opinion is. No. 
We're going to unify around what God's opinion is. That's how we unify. That's how we do it. We're going to learn a whole lot of stuff up here in Ephesians. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be good. I hope you're all ready. I really, really honestly do. Justin, can you close us in prayer? Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio. Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.